Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. I have a really exciting guest today that I can't wait to introduce you to. Such a good friend of the pod and personally. If you rewind, he was also our very first story in the Time on Your Story series. You know him as the AFL correspondent on 4th and Long Radio, where we've actually talked about Essendon together. But also, you know him as the host of his own pod, Coach Hess's Sports Corner. And last but not least, the coach of the Des Moines Roosters US AFL team. You guessed it. It's Donnie Hess. Hi, Donnie. Thanks for being here. How are we doing, Rosanna? Great to finally uh, chat with you on your podcast. I know. Thanks so much for coming on. (laughs) There's a video of us discussing my club with you interviewing, and I'm a big fan of Donnie's disposal. So I wanted to turn the mic back onto you and just kind of deep dive into your story. So if you don't mind, we'll just jump right in. Sure. Not a problem. Can't wait. (laughs) What is your background and exposure to sports in general since you're such a sports nut? Maybe like your history with sports growing up and did you play at all? Oh, I I pretty much grew up in a sport-loving family, born and raised in Des Moines, Iowa. Had a father that loved watching sports. I played basketball, baseball, soccer. I I eventually got into footy as I got a little bit older, but I was just, it's kind of my thing. I've just always, I enjoy sports. I love watching sports. I love talking sports. So for me, it was kind of just a, a natural progression. I love that. I actually think of you sometimes when I see those pillows that are like eat, breathe, sleep, repeat, but all sports. I just mm-hmm. always connect to that with you in my mind. So mm-hmm. what was your first memory or exposure to Aussie rules and maybe your first impressions of the game? Oh, uh, okay. So uh, unlike most people here in the States, I actually got into it when I was a kid. Um, we had a channel in in our cable package that my, my father had called Fox Sports World. And it had rugby, it had footy, it had cricket. And my father loves sports just as much as I do, which I think is the reason why I've become such a sports head. And one day he's like, you got to see this. And he showed it to me. And it was just the the fascinating thing about it because it was like no game I've ever seen. It's 1970s basketball uniforms and they're kicking the ball to each other. And there's tons of whistles and tackling and jumping on each other. So for me, it was kind of just this really insane game. Like even as a kid, I was like, this is really cool. And then a couple of years later, unfortunately, the channel was gone and uh, I lost my connection to footy for a while. Oh, that's so sad. What was the strangest element you think? Because there's so many things that are so, I don't want to say foreign, but you know what I mean? So different and in such contrast to our sports. What was the strangest element you maybe thought when you first saw the game? It has to be the handball because it's just so different. (laughs) It's so unique. It's not, it's not something that you see in any of our other sports. I mean, everything else is throwing it or, or passing it or handing it to somebody like in football. So the handball was probably the one thing that just threw my mind. It took me forever to kind of figure out what they were doing is that they were actually punching the ball to another teammate. That makes so much sense because sometimes you can't see the other hand or the closed fist. You know what I mean? So uh, it's Mm. like, did you just scoop that? So do you remember when you started watching it again and maybe kind of when you picked back up after losing the channel? Okay, that would be 2009 when Paul Frad, who is the Australian who helped start the Des Moines Roosters here in Des Moines, um, got me into it and that's I think it was the grand final of 2009 was the first live pro game that I got to watch after kind of having that 
kind of sabbatical, shall we say, between footy, between watching footy when I was younger and then when I actually made it into college in 2009. But I, I got right back into it. You fall in love with the game. You love the athleticism and the fact that I was playing it at the time before I watched my first game. It was like this. You could see all the skills and what you were learning. And you're like, oh, that's how you kind of do it. So it was really this kind of light bulb aha moment for me. Oh, my gosh, I love it. Well, I feel like you're probably like me, where you've actively <laughs> tried to convert people to the game. So how do you describe the game to newbies or anyone that might be interested in watching? Do you have like an elevator pitch? Um, for me, I always, for me, I always, I ask people, have they ever heard of Australian rules football? And then you get, you get the prototypical answer. Everybody goes, well, that's rugby, right? And I go, um, did I say rugby just, and I don't mean it condescendingly, but it is kind of like, I didn't say rugby. It's not rugby. My favorite description. And I love this. I've had a few people laugh as I say is rugby and soccer had a mutant child is the easiest way for me to describe this game because it is so different. That uh, And most of the time it gets people's attention. They're like, what? <laughs> I like that. I know. I always say, I mean, you know this very well, just Quidditch with a little bit of physics. It's just so hard to encapsulate what it is in such a quick way to get someone to notice it or kind of want more. I feel like you just have to show them, you know? Yeah, it definitely is one of those. I tend to prefer to show them the video because it's so hard to describe. You you can't really catch its magnitude or, or everything that kind of it encompasses without going. This is a little bit of it, but even sometimes the videos don't always give it justice. <laughs> I absolutely feel that way, too. So you kind of touched on it, but how did you find the USAFL and then how did you kind of transition into the coaching space? Okay, so I found the USAFL, like I said, Paul Frad, who is the Aussie, found me at a job and he was like, hey, we've got an Australian rules football team in town. I'm not going to try the Australian accent. I, I can do it. I, it's hard to do sometimes on demand. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And, and I joined that July after the club had started, I think in May. And then when it comes to coaching, it was it was kind of more of a luck thing. Our our kind of player coach who had been playing years before wanted a retirement year. He didn't want to coach. He just wanted to play. So he reached out to me and he's like, hey, how would you like to be the coach of the Roosters? We know you've always expressed interest in coaching. Uh, what do you think? And I thought about it for half a second. Went, I, I would love to. I think it'd be great. Um, so the the club reached out to me with the president and vice president at the time kind of had a little interview and uh they liked what they heard I, I i think i brought a little bit of a different feel to them and uh they brought me on in 2019 and i am um, technically because of covid unfortunately starting in i'm in to my second year as the head coach of the des moines roosters nice and so now your life is just completely consumed with footy <laughs> i feel I mean, I did want to talk about 2020 for a second. How was that as coach? I know navigating through a season where the team can't play or maybe even practice necessarily. What were kind of the biggest challenges that you had to go through as a coach? Well, I think for me, mine was it was more of the off the field issues that I had just due to um, my wife is high risk. So when all of this kind of came down, I made the decision to play it safe and I told them, if they were training in person that I would, I would not be attending just because for safety reasons and for health reasons, I, I did have the ability to meet up with them via zoom. Like I think a lot of people figured out what zoom was. And I did a couple of um, online trainings where I was just kind of running through stuff that, I mean, it's, 
it's little stuff like kicking to an advantage or how to how to read plays different things like that that i could do virtually to where i could still have impact on them but i wasn't in person to where i was risking anybody's health or my own and i think it kind of worked out but it was very very difficult to not have the whistle in my hand and to be able to personally instruct people it was kind of you felt a little bit debilitated because I didn't have that, that way to coach them besides a, a, a video and a few notes here and there. So it was really kind of a difficult 2020 for me. Wow. I think so many things happened with the sports shutdowns. I'm glad you were able to still kind of continue in whatever capacity that you were able to coach. At one point, too, I think I was just watching whatever I could. I mean, I don't know if this happened to you, but I was watching marble racing along with everyone else. And then I was just wondering, like, how did I get here and what is happening to my life? But you are one of the few people, I think, who understands my pain during the AFL season, along with quite a few Americans and maybe Aussies here in the U.S., just about waking in the middle of the night. I know Australians are doing the same, waking up to watch U.S. sports, but watching an international sport doesn't get any easier, does it? I don't know if you have any like stories around having to do that or how you feel about it and if you just wanted to share. Oh, yes, I definitely do. I, I am a diehard. I, I am so much like you. I am up when the game, I am up 10 minutes before first bounce at the latest when it comes to it. In fact, I'll give you a great story that's actually connected to the Roosters as well as I had a crazy 24 hours of footy last Saturday where we had two games in Kansas City that we needed to drive down to Des Moines for. We had several footy games, including the Hawthorne Melbourne game. Well, I got so nervous because I was so excited to coach that I literally stayed up and watched every single game from Friday night into Saturday morning, <laughs> woke up. Well, and, and here's the crazy thing. So I'm driving over to get ready for our car ride down to Kansas City as the Hawthorne Melbourne game goes to a draw, which was fascinating conversation between <laughs> us because we're footy heads too. I rode with Brad, my co-host. Uh, on Coach Hess's Sports Corner. We get down to Kansas City. So we're, when we're talking footy the entire time, in fact, I, I've got a fun little, uh, uh, I had a fun little game with them. I said, I want you to make your best 22 out of one player from each of the team, from each of the teams in the AFL. And it was fascinating to hear kind of their thoughts. Um, on that, get down there. We play two games, including a thunderstorm stoppage, come home, have dinner, go to sleep, wake up at 3 a.m. for the for the Sydney GWS game. So it was 24 hours of absolute footy insanity for me. So I am I am insane. I can't tell you how many uh, of my Twitter followers and people like that that are Swans fans that I tweet. It's 2 a.m. I'm up watching footy. What do you guys think? And they're like, man, you are die hard. So it was it's. You, you get compassion and you get some awe-inspired kind of retweets on that for sure. That is so impressive. I don't know how you just kind of remain intact. I'm like you. If it's my team playing, I'm watching it live. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to wait to watch it later under any circumstances. And I don't want any spoilers or anything. But I'm starting to feel, though, sometimes when I do a whole weekend of watch that I'm almost kind of zombied out that day following. It's almost like we need like a recovery period from like our addiction or something. Do you feel the same way or are you just fine? Uh, that the Monday is the Monday is always that Monday was interesting just because you you are a little tired and, and for me the good thing was it was Sunday but I actually still had to be at work so that it was quite a fun day trying to go to work for four hours that day but I don't know for me I'm a morning person so the early morning wake-ups aren't too bad like I'm not like 
seriously disturbed. It's just, as I joke with most of them, I said, I just, I'm a little sleep deprived during the summer. Sometimes I wait, I make up for it in the winter when I can sleep it. I actually loved what you said too about just the road tripping element and then just talking about footy because that was something that Andrew and I did the entire time we were away when we were driving from state to state and city to city. We were just asking rhetorical (laughs) footy questions or just really fun games because it's just exciting to talk about and it keeps you awake. Yeah, I completely agree. Like for me, it it was kind of fun to see them because I don't think they have the the total player numbers like in my head, like because I do my correspondence for a fourth long and and i do part of the podcast like i've gotten to the point i've got i know probably 75 percent of most of the rosters on the teams so for me it was it was it was going in and not just picking superstars it was picking kind of mid-range players that fit really well with what i wanted to do and and just to see their their thought they were like whoa didn't think about that so so it's always kind of fun just the different um and then to just look at different things that you could go like what would happen if buddy played in the seventies or what would happen if, um, if Dermot or, or plugger was playing in the two thousands, how would it change? And it's, they're fun debate questions that if you get a good person that's watched a lot of footy, you can have some interesting conversations. I would love to discuss that with you more. I think we're going to have to have you back so we can do some of those. Speaking of footy, though, how do you feel about the Swans this season? There are so many ways that the season could have gone. I think you ended on 16th last season at the end of Home and Away. So mm-hmm. there's been so many surprises. Are you satisfied? Sometimes there's sleeper agents where you kind of got to rest a little and then they appear. Or sometimes there's a season that sinks. So how do you feel about the Swans? Oh, the easiest way to describe me this year when it comes to the swans is the mind blown emoji, because I, if, if you listen to any of my podcasts, I said right off the bat, I said, I think they improved from 16th. I think they'll be around the fi- bottom part of the finals, but I think they'll just fall a tiny bit short. So to see them sitting in the ladder with nine, with five games to go, and they are in sixth place with two game gap between them and seventh is i mean literally mind blown i i've the the progression of the youngsters has been absolutely insanely quick i've i've been thoroughly impressed i think the three draftees have all stepped in when they've played and played well i i think buddy has looks like he is back to his normal um ever goal kicking self uh, Tommy Papley has just become as dangerous seeing Parker and Kennedy playing well. So this season has just literally been the mind blow emoji for me. I love it. I think we're kind of having parallel seasons <laughs> for our teams because we've had similar drafts and you do have a lot of young kids on your roster. Who are you the most excited by right now with the young oh, kids? That's like choosing your favorite kid. So, <laughs> it's so hard to do. Like if I had to brace it now, just because I think he he's been on the field a lot more and, and it's nothing against uh, either Campbell or McDonald, but I have to go Errol Goulden. The, the young man has just come in. He's been a little spitfire. He he's really accurate with his kicks. He's tough as nails. He's come in, he's worked his tail off and he's learned. He's, he, he's taken some of his um, mistakes that he made there for a little bit. He played a few games in the, in the VFL a little bit and he's come back from his injury and he's looked really, really good. So I, I would have to say of the new draftees, Errol Golden, but for me, I would say Justin McInerney has just been a revelation on the wing and in a halfback. He's, he's impressed people. He's just recently got one of the latest uh, rising stars for his performance. And he's just been one of those guys that you're just like, how are you this good? And just now hitting my radar. (laughs) 
I, I feel that way about so many players on your team, my team, and a lot of teams in the comp too. I mean, we are almost to the final series, right? You guys have consistently been in the eight though. And, you know, both of our teams are sitting in the eight for now. I'm just going to throw my team in there too. I'm not holding it against you that you thought at the beginning Essendon would be battling north for the wooden spoon, (laughs) but I did have to mention it. What do you think though? I'm curious about why you think Sydney has been so successful this year. I mean, what do you attribute it to? Well, I think some people would go, some people would would break it down as simple as Don Pike coming in and bringing his offensive strategy that he kind of um, did at, at Adelaide, which got Adelaide to a grand final in 2017. And you have seen kind of his influence on coach um, John Longmire. I think previously everybody kind of got on coach Longmire about being a defensive coach who only likes to slingshot out the back. He's not a very offensive style coach. He's very conservative. He tends to play more of his best players in defense and then kind of progressively gets weaker as they go towards the forward part. So for me, it's really been this revelation of ball movement. The ball movement has been incredibly quick. I think they've adapted to the new man on the mark rule a lot, a lot better than I think some have, even though, again, I think the coaches have kind of reined in the scoring a little bit, which I I told many people, I said, eventually it will be reined in by the coaches and they have proven me right. Not that I'm trying to be Nostradamus on that, but I think for me, it's just been the players that have come in, have stepped up in just the right positions. And I think have exceeded what I expected out of them, which I think is, is nothing but a good thing. And to see them get more experience and stronger. I mean, even if we make the finals and lose in the first weekend, I'm not going to be disappointed because as I said, at the start of the year, I didn't see them making the finals. So for me, this is exceeding of the, the goal that I had at the start of the year. I agree. I think it's best case scenario for everything Mm -hmm. that could have happened. I think that that's sort of what's happening with my team too. kind of the perfect blend of so many things that really had to happen. I don't want to say like a harmonious chord, but we had a lot of things that we were struggling with too for my team. And I think a lot of people felt that Essendon would be a bottom two team, if not bottom four. So I feel the same way. I think a lot of things needed to happen. I agree with you. I think Pike's influence for sure, but also just people stepping up. For my team, I think it was trying players in different positions. We also had the two coach thing that you and I talked about where now that the training wheels are off, we can really kind of see Truck's vision and everything kind of come to life. I am curious if you could take any player from another club and just add them to the team now to continue to boost your chances for finals. I mean, who would you pick? Oh, man. Put me in the list manager spot. Oh. <laughs> To be to be honest with you, I'd actually bring back I'd bring back an old player. I'd bring back a Lear Lear. Um, I I think McCartan has stepped back into the back and I think has done really really well. Rampy is always really good. Jake Lloyd is always a disposable machine, but I I wouldn't mind love. I would love having a Lear Lear back because he brought a big body presence that was great at intercepting marks. I think he could take some of the bigger body forwards that I think sometimes the Swans have struggled with. The other one that I I would love to grab it in maybe it's because I'm on your podcast that I'm thinking of this is I'd love to have Nick, either Nick Cox or Archie Perkins. Both of those two young live wires would be, I think, excellent additions to an already young solid midfield and, and having Coxie being able to 
ruck, but also play wing, play center half back, play center half forward, having such a, a versatile player that's going to grow into his body and is going to be a stronger player, I think would be absolutely a magnificent addition to the Bloods. But I think he, I think he's going to do really, really well at Essendon. And I, I want to go back really, really quickly. I think for you in Essendon, I think the loss of Danaher and Saad their impact was negated by the bringing of hind and then your draft pick. So I think you've really progressed on what I think a lot of people was your massive holes, losing Danaher, losing sod that everybody was like, well, they have no defensive pressure. Now they have no run. They don't have sod anymore. They don't have Danaher, the goal kicker and you've replaced them. I mean, hooker going up forward and being able to kick goals, I think has been a, just a wonder for the bombers for sure. I agree with everything that you said. It was pretty concerning. I know when you and I had our last conversation about my team anyways, I think it was really concerning because we did have some gaping holes. And I think that a lot of us were nervous because it can take a while to develop and also to kind of replace or even add or enrich. And I know with our draftees specifically, we really didn't know what we were going to get because we didn't really have a lot to go off of because nobody played last year, at least in Victorious. And I think also moving Laverde and Stewart back too was ingenious. Mm -hmm. And I think they're saying now too, strategically, because Hind wasn't getting games at St. Kilda. And he is doing so well. And I do think it is the case now if you have, um, you need a forward, maybe draft a defender and see how they're doing in that role. Maybe if you need a defender, try like a forward back there. I mean, there's just so many different discussions that you can kind of think of now with just gameplay and strategy and list management. I am curious who your favorite current player is. And they don't have to be on your roster, but I'm just curious because we just love the game so much. Oh, I, I can't, I can't run away. I can't run away from it. Even when I came into the league, uh, buddy, buddy was always my favorite. Even when he was at Hawthorne, I, he was just, he was this enigma. He was this really tall, really fast player that did so many cool things. And I think it was kind of almost this, this crazy thing that I, I get into the team in 2012 and then what happens, buddy comes over and I was like, Oh, it, it kind of, <laughs> It just kind of blew my mind that my, my favorite player is now on my favorite is now on my favorite team, the team I, I decided to support. So it, it, it's without a doubt, buddy. But if, if you if you twist my arm and say, hey, pick a person that's not on the swans, it is hard not to love. And again, I'm not doing this because I'm in your podcast. Anthony McDonald Tippin Woody is one of my favorites to watch. He is so electric. He's so much fun. And when you have your own theme song by Picket Palace and you can play at any time, I cannot go past that. So he is, if I had to pay a ticket to see a player that's not a Swans player, I would go see an Essendon Bombers just to see Tippa play because he's just an excitement machine when he gets the footy in his hands. I agree with you. I think he's really, really exciting to watch. And his story, too, has been really mm -hmm. unique and interesting. And I think it just kind of adds to what a dimensional player he is. I'm really happy <laughs> that he is on my team. And I honestly didn't know what you would say. Who is your favorite retired player then from Sydney? I'm just curious. Oh, you can't go past uh, Goodsy. You can't go past Adam Goods. He just an absolute legend, a class player, just the incredible guy that could play anything. I mean, he was so tall. He could play rock. He could play midfield. He could play defender. He could play forward. He could do anything. And for him to embrace his indigenous society, I know it was kind of the, the thing that kind of drove him out of the game. And there's still to this day, it, 
saddens me that he that he was treated so poorly at the end of his career with, with such a champion, such a legend of the game that I think um, I know Sean Burgoyne just broke the record for 400. But if and it's hard to argue as a Swans fan that if he didn't have the booing issues, if he didn't have the racial vilification that he had at the end of the career, I think Goodsey would have got to 400. And it's it's a sad fact to think about. But for me, there's so many ways I could I could praise Goodsey, but he is my favorite uh, a swan of all time. You're right. It's really hard to kind of look past him. And I think he's such an exciting player or he was so exciting to watch. And I really it's just heartbreaking when something other than the game itself, you're playing um, part of it drives you out of the game. So it was really heartbreaking when he did leave. And I have no doubt that he could have played for years and years and years had he wanted to continue. I think it's a tie between him and like Keith Grundy for me, but absolutely Adam Goods. There's just no, there's no topping that. But yeah, I was just wondering, I have just a few more questions and I love that you'll entertain hypotheticals, but would you rather be the best player on a really bad team or would you rather be the worst player on a really great team? Oh man, this this tells this tells what you what you're more important for. Would you rather be the greatest or would you rather be a winner? <laughs> I'm I'm one of those. I'd rather be the worst player on a winning team because I know I can all I can always improve. I know I can always work on something. I can I can do something at practice to help out my teammates. If you're the best player on the worst team, it's you're trying to pull everybody up, and usually that's that's so difficult because all the pressure is usually on you. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the fact that I I don't mind winning a few games and I'm, I'm, I'm a workhorse type of person. So I'm always one of those. I'd rather be the worst on a winning team. That's funny. That was a very coach like answer. <laughs> I think we're the opposite. I, I would rather be the best player on a bad team. I think not because I want to be a great player, but there's no guarantee you have to stay there, but there is a guarantee you'll be selected. I feel like if I were the worst player on a great team, I don't know if I'd see game time, you know, and so that would probably be my worry. But yeah, I was just really interested in kind of how you would view that. What is your favorite moment of the season so far? It's been such an interesting season, (laughs) just as unique as last year. You could probably describe, but what's your favorite moment? Oh, there's two or three. It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard, really hard right? to break it down <laughs> to just one. But I honestly, it, it it actually thinking about it, it is hard to go past this last weekend. Um, the the all of the drama with the co- on with the COVID, Callum Mills and Harry Cunningham being pulled late, but then to see the footage of the of the boys just they're they're pulling in. Dylan Stevens, they're pulling in roll bottom. They're super excited. They're happy that the that the young boys get to play, and then. Yes, the start of the game was kind of a little ugly there for a bit. And I I honestly admitted it it got to be very difficult. But then to see the fight back, to see the the fight into them, to get it down to 16 by the halftime, and then to see them roll it in the second half. Buddy kicks four, Papley kicks four, including the crazy goal where I've said it and I'll continue saying it. I don't think that soccer goal, I don't think he thought he was going to score. I think he was like, okay, this is pretty cool. That was exceptional. (laughs) Yes, his his celebration was absolutely absolutely fantastic i cannot say that and then to see coach horse longmire's reaction after the game like a proud father he's hugging all the players he's giving them fives and they even caught him wiping away a tear whether I it was actually a tear, whether it was actually a tear or not i have no idea but you, I, I i saw all of the great comments about it and i agree with it he's like a proud father he's so happy with the performance of this young relatively young group yes he's got some old heads in kennedy and parker 
and Lloyd and Buddy. He, he's got older players, but he's got a lot of younger players that he's having to kind of to instruct and to mold. He's really become a coach that I've absolutely loved how he's progressed as well as as being the manager of the team and, and picking players and so on that. So it is hard not to say that this this win over GWS was such a momentum winner. I think it really galvanized the group and I'm super excited to see how the next five weeks and then hopefully um hopefully a run in the finals as well. Yeah, the Derby was really great. I think when I see moments of the celebration and with your coach afterwards, it just it was so endearing. He is like a proud father. It just makes me really crave and wish for like a making their mark season two for some of the clubs that weren't featured because I would really love to see what they're going through and kind of what's happening behind closed doors. And same for my club too, just to see the transformation, maybe transgressions that have taken them to where they're at now. I'm really genuinely interested in seeing that development and whatnot. Do you think that the grand final should be a night game? I'm curious about, because you've been following the sport for so long, you know what the traditions are. And then we got the very different final game last season. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, this is this is an interesting discussion because it really, it really has split a lot of people down the middle. I am if I'll answer it two ways. I'll answer it. First way is selfish way. Selfish way is an American. I love it where it was at the original because it's at a decent time to where the game ends at a not too bad a time, especially for me here in the central and, and, and for you out East and even the, the Pacific coast. Um, but I know in the long run, there are a lot of people at the top in the top part of the AFL that want it to be a night game because they think they can get better ratings. They can get more sponsorships. They can be a lot like the Super Bowl. Um, honestly, I, I would rather it stay where it was. I think it's tradition. I think that's one thing with this sport being over a hundred years old. There's so much tradition in it. I love the team songs, all that type of stuff. I like it when it was, I, I think the, the, the kind of, middle day sunshine i think is absolutely kind of this picturesque feel when you see the g from from a, a helicopter and the sun shining down on it and they're getting ready for the game it's it's such a, a such an awe-inspiring view and for me i'd like it to stay as a daytime game my gut just tells me this thing's going to be a nighttime it's it may be three or four years before it happens but i think eventually it will be moved to a nighttime uh, grand final it is a really divisive point. And we're the same, actually. I really wanted to stay the way it is. Um, I will accept exceptions <laughs> because of accommodations and whatnot. But I love the twilight aspect of the game. I don't want that to change. I think it's very unique and very singular to that particular sport. So I love that about it, that afternoon and the transition from day to evening. I don't know. I just I don't see that anywhere else. I want it to be like that. I hope it stays for as long as it can. And I hope it doesn't change. But I mean, hopefully, you know, they'll hang on to that part of it. The game has changed so much, even over the time I'm sure that you've been watching from the beginning. Yeah, I really hope that that aspect of it will not change. <laughs> some things I want to stay the same, some things I want um, kind of updated. And I, I guess... completely agree. Hey, hey Roseanne, <laughs> just before we go, I'm, I want to fire one back at you. Okay, I know <laughs> sure. that there's tons of talk. I know there's tons of talk with, unfortunately, with the lockdowns and everything like that. Would you be adverse if there could be no crowds or less than 50,000 at the MCG to play the final in Perth this year? Wow. You know, I am very much 
wherever it needs to happen, it should. I think that Optus is a really great stadium. I don't see any reason why they couldn't host that. I just want it to go down. So I'm kind of the person that's the show must go on wherever it needs to happen. It will happen. Um, hopefully that won't be the case every year following, but we have no idea what will happen. I'm honestly just as long as we can have the game. I don't like sacrificing a crowd either because I really think that that adds so much more to the watch even from like our TV screens. But yeah, it's it's hard. You know, selfishly, I just want it to happen. So I'll literally take it in any way, shape or form. And I know that sounds really crazy, but hopefully we'll have a crowd at it. I honestly just want it to happen. So I don't mind um, where it has to be played. I mean, hopefully not like on the Gold Coast, but you know, wherever wherever what about you <laughs> I, i'm the same I, I i want i would love crowds just because i i'm weird i love the ball chant whenever there's a tackle and the entire crowd screams ball like i missed that last year so much I for most too. of the season so at the start of the season when thirty thousand, even though they were in the mighty mcg and it's smaller than smaller than the hundred thousand that could fit but it still felt like it was back to normal. The ball chant that is always one of my favorites. So I just want it where you can get the most amount of people safely. If it's in Perth, if it's in Adelaide, if it's back at the GABA, if it's at the G, I don't, I don't mind. I want to see the grand final, but I just want people to be safe because you fall in love with the Australian people. They're just so kind. They, they've invented this great game and I just want them to be safe and to be able to enjoy the, this sporting event that I know is one of the biggest events in the entire country. I agree with that. And I feel like COVID has taken so much from so many, especially Victorians. Um, there's currently, you know, a host of lockdowns right now. So I really feel like if there's any way that they can participate and celebrate too, I just want it for them in person. And then for us, hopefully we can just watch it. And it seems like we're going to get there because we're really propelling ourselves through the season and willing it just like last season, even though it's still like a few weeks away. I wanted to know if you could just name a team that will make it to the grand final, <laughs> because I'm just curious what you think. Oh, this one, this one's diff. This one's difficult because I, I really want to see what the finals bracket looks like, because I think it could, it could make or break some teams. Um, Right now, just on form, I would say Geelong has a really, really good shot. I think they're playing really, really well. Dangerfield is back healthy again. The only issue I see with them is their ruck situation. They can't seem to make up their minds. They want Stanley. Do they want Blitzop? Do they want Radigalia? How do they want to kind of do it? That really is their one of their few weaknesses that they have. And with Jeremy Cameron being out, it has kind of weakened their forward line a little. But the fact that they're still winning with some of the outs that they have, I think this Cats team, they were built this year to try to win a championship. And I think they've been built really, really well. So I would say right now, one of my favorites to get to the grand final would be the Geelong Cats. I mean, it could be head and heart too. Do you have like another team that you were also thinking? Well, if if, if you say heart, if you say heart, I'd say Sydney, <laughs> Sydney. but I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go full on Homer there. Uh, no, um, it, the cats, the cats are one in the D's. I think they, they're just so good defensively. Lever and May have been absolutely spectacular together this year. Petraka and Clayton Oliver, that twin, that twin pair in the middle with Max gone is just absolutely 
so difficult to stomp because if you stomp one, the other two go crazy. And then going forward, I think the addition of Ben Brown, I think has opened up McDonald and Kasaya Pickett to the point where they are so difficult to stomp. And then you've got Bailey Fritch coming in there. So this demons team, if they can, if they can kind of figure out their hoodoo when it comes to teams outside of the eight, um, and kind of right the ship and go into the finals, knowing that they've beaten most of the people around them. I, it's going to be very, very difficult to knock out the D's if they continue to play the way they have against top eight sides. I think they're pretty unstoppable. That was the team that I was going to name. And from a heart perspective, I think I would say Melbourne also, I would really like for them to maybe get it for Neil and for Danaher to maybe be able to do the cup while he's around. You know, I would really love that for him. I know that that's, it's not my team, but I still feel like a certain way about them and they fought really hard and they're one of the biggest surprises of the season. So if I had to name a team, that's probably who I would say. But thank you so much for coming on, Donnie, and just letting me pick your footy brain, our collective favorite topic. (laughs) And thanks for hanging with me and just kind of sharing a part of your day with us and everyone listening too. Um, Stay safe and healthy, everyone. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon. And thanks, Donnie. (laughs) 